It's time for the Rose Chat Podcast, a podcast dedicated to celebrating the world's most beloved flower, the rose. Join award-winning gardeners Chris Van Cleef and Teresa Byington as they chat with rose lovers and experts from around the globe. With each episode, you'll gain valuable knowledge and insights to achieve the rose garden you've always dreamed of. Listen now as we explore the world of roses. Guest today is no stranger to many of you, as you know her as the Rose Geek on Facebook and on YouTube and other social media. Now today she's here to tell us about a trip she took to England last summer and how being in England changed her and her garden. Ooh, this is interesting. <laughs> hey Kimberly, welcome to Rose Chat. Hello, thank you so much for having me. It's always a joy to catch up with you and I'm excited today to talk about uh, trips that I've taken. Oh, I am so excited to hear. But before we get into all of that, how's your garden season going so far? You know, every year is going to be different. And so it's interesting as I go out there and I'm looking at a particular variety and I'm saying, wow, you really popped last year. You were amazing. And then this year, it's just, you know, variety specific. Some of them, you know, are a little bit different. And that's one of the things that I love about gardening is Mm -hmm. it's unpredictable. It's never the same. There's always something to learn from in the garden. Uh, But this year, I've had longer blooms, an earlier season and a longer season than in the past. Is that because the roses are aging? Is it because of the fertilizers and the boosters I'm using? I have no idea right now, (laughs) but I'm going to continue to enjoy it. Um, So we had um, typically our roses start blooming the last week in May. And this year, they really wanted to jump out of the gate the first week in May. And I pushed them back a little bit, some of those buds. But I would say it really didn't push them back very far because by the second week in May, we were in a full flush. And here we are almost a month later, and I still have more blooms than I've ever had. So it's a big that's a certainly a big win. Uh, we had a lot of damage and did a lot of cutting. And then once once we got the garden ready, we've had absolutely no rain. So what I'm seeing, blooms are lasting longer, but they're a different color. They're more faint. It's just been so hot and so dry. I've never seen it like this before. We do have, it is very dry and I can't remember the last time it rained. And so I'm really trying to take a hard look at definitely my planners. They need water very early in the season. We don't normally experience this. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm seeing that some of the blooms are smaller um, than they have been kind of like they would be during the heat of the summer, really. Um, So you're right. That is something that, you know, is different with this year. Well, so far, that would be my biggest issue. Is that your biggest issue? If you've got something else, that's bigger than that. Um, well, thrips, you know, I always in the hubbub of it, I, I don't, I don't pre-treat things. And I, I want to have a no spray garden. I want to be organic in the way that I garden. And so whenever I get a flush, I'm just kind of making note of which ones are magnets for thrips. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to, you know, kind of keep a little log so that as we're looking at the end of the season, which roses might not be a good fit for me. Um, it might be those roses that have thrips. And so I would say that that's the biggest hurdle that I have right now is just looking at roses that are not happy and being in a no spray garden, but it's an easy fix. Just finding varieties that do fit. We're lucky today. We have so many, so many um, new varieties and they are disease resistant and we are getting more fragrance. I mean, truly, I'm just seeing some spectacular new roses that are that I uh, trialed and now they're in my garden and they're just fabulous. Oh, talking about new roses. I really want you to tell me about your rose. Um, so a couple of uh, weeks ago, you put out uh, with High Country. You've partnered with them. Tell yes. us about that really quick. Well, it, it's Petite Peach. It's a sport that I found four years ago. That's just something that happens. God's a heavy hitter on that one. It just happens naturally um, in um, the garden. And um, 
I found a sport. It was peach. It was on petite pink, which I have nine of. So I think I've just loved it so much that it just gave me a gift. I've had so many of them, loved it so much that it gave me a gift. So that's um, from hybridizer and good friend, David Slezak. So I called David and I said, whoa, petite pink has done something very unusual, but very pretty. So we just started taking cuttings and working on it, getting in some trials and working on the patent. And so um, we partnered with Matt of High Country Roses, and it just won the 2024 American Rose Society Award of Excellence oh my goodness. Um, for a miniature, a small shrub in a no spray condition. And I've heard from some of the people that trialed it, and it has done well everywhere, even, you know, north. Um, it's done very, very well. So yes, I have a little rose, petite peach, and it's just been a really fun, a very unique experience for me, of course. And it's just been really fun. Well, congratulations. That's really exciting. And um, just awesome. I'm going to make sure that I get one to try. Um, but I'm so happy for you. I was that's wonderful. Well, your no spray garden, it could be just the ticket, you know, they're little sprays of sweetheart roses, much like petite pink. So Anyway, petite pink is just a it, it's just almost bulletproof here, and I just love it because I love to put those sprays and arrangements and things. So it's fabulous. Well, thanks for asking. So now let's talk about one more thing in your garden. You had your I think it was your first open garden. Oh yeah. So I have I've never had one before. I'm just nervous. You know, when I have I've got my YouTube channel and the Facebook and the Instagram and I can frame things the way that I want to. <laughs> and so it really puts you in a vulnerable position when you are kind of pulling back that curtain and showing everybody the the good and the bad. I mean, they get to see it all. Yeah. So I was nervous, but after visiting um the gardens in England I I decided it's really important uh, for people to be able to learn and it's okay if they see things that they don't like because it's going to help them develop the garden of their dreams to be able to say, ah, you know, I really don't like how she did this or that statue is like that, but they'll come up with ideas of what would work and what they would like in their garden. And so I made that decision uh, last year that I was going to open the garden. And so I did. And um, I had it over two days. And um, I reached out to my local uh, Rose Society and, um, and had, I don't know, 20 or 30 people come out one day. And then what I also did is I put a sign at my road uh, for all of my neighbors so that they could come see. Because oftentimes while I'm out there gardening, we kind of chit chat at the fence line. And I I, you know, offer to let them come through when things look pretty and in bloom, but sometimes that doesn't happen. And so I wanted them to know what they could look for. And so it was really nice to have the community come out also and see the garden. And, um, and of course I opened it up to uh, the folks that are local on my Facebook and, you know, I think it was a success, you know, it's a lot of work and stress moving up to those days because, you're wondering, is it going to be in bloom? Is it going to look okay? Um, you know, how do I uh, make sure that everybody um, gets a good show while they're here? And so what I did was I put together a mapping of um, our beds, where the roses are, in case there was a specific one that they were looking for. And the way that I decided to do the open garden was based on, you know, when I went to England and I was visiting the, the gardens, what did I enjoy most? And what I enjoyed was being able to immerse myself initially in the garden and ha have my own takeaways and thoughts before we work with the tour guide and have them work, walk around with us and show us specific things. Because at that point, I've already kind of formulated my feelings and my thoughts and my questions, you know. Mm -hmm. And so what we did was we allowed people to have an hour by themselves walking around and taking it in. And then I walked around with everybody and, and talked about what was important to me and where we were going in the future, what my favorite roses were. Um, and so I liked that. And then 
Um, I had a little takeaway for everybody. My favorite plant, I gave everybody a little um, Walker's Low Nepeta to take home and, and grow my favorite plant and garden if they wanted to. So all in all, I think it was a success and I really enjoyed it and I'll look forward to doing it again in the future. Um, did you do an open garden this year? No, I didn't. Um, we had uh, so much deer damage and so much winter damage that we made the decision to do some tweaks to the garden. Just since the arbors weren't covered, um, we were going to do some tweaks to the arbors. It's been a long time because the roses are there and you can't really adjust anything. And mm -hmm. so we were going to do some tweaks to the arbors. That was the main thing. And then just kind of redefine uh, some of the garden beds, which usually means, <laughs> it usually means that I take more of Mr. G's grass. But um, <laughs> that... <laughs> That wasn't really the goal. Um, well, wasn't the only goal. Um, we have very big trees now, and we're just trying to find the sun for some of the mm. roses. We have many roses. A lot of the shrubs, they can they can take some shade for sure. And, um, and it's okay, but I'm just really trying to follow the sun line as the trees kind of, we've lost some limbs in these mature trees. You know, they started out tiny when my kids were little and, and that now they're losing limbs. And so we decided this would be the year to do that. But last year uh, at Open Garden, it was pouring rain, like the garden was actually flooded right up into the day. And I really thought about canceling. And then I reached into my England roots because, you know, my daughter lives there. And I thought, now, if we were in England, we would just tell people, grab your willies and an umbrella and come see the garden. And that's what I did. I sent out some uh, some uh, messages and got on Facebook and, uh, and the Internet and just said, you know, the garden is going to be open. Grab your, your wellies and your umbrella and come. But do you know that 30, it was about 30, 45 minutes before they were to come, it stopped raining. It was so hot. It dried up. I don't think we had rain for seven weeks oh after goodness. that. But it was so wonderful because people were so sure we'd probably cancel. And they came, I think we had, you know, for my garden, and we had 100 people. It was a lot. And um, so it was fun. And it's so worth it. There's nothing like seeing your garden through the eyes of other garden lovers. It is a gift. And they know it's a gift. And they know it's work. But I just tell people, and I'm sure you do too, you know, you're going to see things that you love. You're going to see things that you hate. You're going to see things under construction and you're going to see things and you're going to say, what in the world was she thinking? <laughs> so with that, go have fun, make a note, take a picture yes. and, you know, and enjoy the garden because it brings me so much pleasure. And I gave away zinnias. So we're on the same plan. Ah, okay, good. <laughs> I gave away zinnias. So anyway, but it is, I do encourage people to do that. And I'm so glad that you did. You have so much to offer your oh. garden. And, and so I'm so glad you did that. Yeah, I am happy I did too. And we're going to, next year, I don't think that we'll be able to do it just because we're going to be in the middle of a renovation. But now start thinking about uh, the following year having mm -hmm. an open garden, but then I can also spend next season just visiting everybody else's garden locally yes. um, that they have in bloom. Oh, yes, yes. Well, now let's talk about um, this garden tour that you took last summer. Now, you went on one of Paul Zimmerman's garden tours that we've been hearing so much about because he's just back from France. And I'm just pea green with envy for those people who got to go. So, but you took one of those tours last summer to England. I did. And, you know, for me, it, it, it was a dream. I, I didn't think that I would ever go. I, I don't like traveling. Um, even though I put myself on YouTube, I have anxiety. I'm in a little bit of an introvert. And so going, leaving my own personal garden, it was a huge step for me. And I'm such a nervous Nelly. For anybody who knows me traveling, <laughs> I get lost everywhere. And so what pushed me over to want to do this was the fact that it was inclusive. Basically, if I could get myself to the airport, <laughs> I would practically be picked up and whisked away for two weeks with not a care in the world. I don't have to think about everything. Everything is planned for me. Now, with that, um, if you are somebody who wants to be able to kind of go your own way, I think you have that flexibility, too. Um, so either way, I think it's a really appealing trip. And um, I was able to tailor parts of my trip. And I'll tell you about that uh, when we get to it. But I... Um, 
I really enjoyed this trip and it was a dream to see uh, gardens that I only see through photographs. And mm -hmm. um, so I, I hope to be able to go back one day um, and visit with fresh eyes again and see if I still have those same feelings um, that I did as I entered each one of the gardens. So what were some of the aha moments to being in the English gardens as opposed to being in, you know, in your own garden or an American garden? Were there just things that were just very different or? Well, uh, one of the things that I think that we all kind of talked about on the trip was the gardens were really clean and weed free, uh, no mulch. So it's rare to see a garden that's not mulch. Whereas here in the United States, I think it's the opposite. It's rare to see a garden that doesn't have mulch or some kind of a top dressing. And so that was, that was interesting mm -hmm. from our perspective to see <clears throat> that. And, um, and, you know, it kind of made me rethink some of the ways that I'm gardening I, and, and wanting to use maybe the tools that they use, the hose, just to keep all of the weeds that are um, not rooted very deep. Um, but that was, that was interesting seeing that. Um, you know, you've got so many different styles out there. You're going to see a cottage garden that's overflowing with plants. But then if you're looking for a structured garden, you're going to see that, too. Um, you know, I think that there weren't any other real um, ahas where I was like, oh, wow, you know, that's totally different, at least that I can think of right now mm -hmm. as I'm talking besides, you know, the mulch. But it's just, um, you know, going and visiting these gardens, the weather was perfect. It was the perfect time of year. We visited the last week in June. Mm -hmm. Everything was full flush. It was just absolutely perfect. And we didn't have rain. Um, it was cool enough that you wanted to kind of have a windbreaker on each day. And, uh, and that was really nice because some of the places that we were staying didn't have air conditioning. Maybe that's an aha moment, <laughs> um, but they were beautiful and, um, you know, the food was amazing. So I, I can't say enough about the trip experience. If you can go on an all-inclusive trip, mm -hmm. you're not going to be disappointed. I think that's really like the best endorsement Paul could possibly get because, I mean, there was a day that going on trips, you know, I wanted to to be my own person and you know do my own thing. But now those words all inclusive just sound so perfect. And, you know, and I know all the planning that Paul puts into it and I'm just so appreciative of that. So, um, yes, I think those are very, very good words to us. Mm -hmm. Now, um, was there a garden that stood out to you? No, not David Austin Roses. You can't mention that one yet. Okay. So other than David Austin Roses, were there, was there a garden that just stood out and you thought, oh, I want to be that garden? Yeah, I mean, it was um, each garden really had a different feeling about it. And for me, the one that absolutely stood out to me and brought me to tears because it was just perfect. It spoke to my soul was Lady Columns. Um, garden. Oh. I think it's called Clinton Lodge is the name of okay. her garden specifically, but her garden, every single room, because it was broken out into rooms um, mm -hmm. that you looked at was just perfect. And it was oh. my taste. You know, you walked into the first one of the first rooms and it was blue, a blue and white garden surrounded by box hedge. Oh. Just absolutely perfect. And, and the beautiful uh, grass was so tranquil on this walk. And it was wide and welcoming and expansive. You know, so many things at one time. And then it, it, the way that the room was um, created, you can't see beyond that room what's next. And so you're just kind of, it begs you to go further. And so when you get into the next room, um, I know one of them was, uh, it's a knot garden and it was huge, but oh. it had line of sight at each path with a beautiful um, uh, concrete structure. And so you wanted to take that in. And the box was interesting at this garden because I learned more about box. For whatever reason, I thought that they had to be two foot by two foot, you know, and at this garden, they had them six inches wide and you know only maybe 
you know, a foot tall. And that was so fascinating to me. And when I was able to track down one of the, um, the workers there and ask them, the gardeners, they said, yeah, you know, any, anytime you want a box hedge, you can make them as narrow as you want and they'll be just as happy as can be. And, and that was eye opening for me because I love kind of that, closed look but I didn't know how narrow I could make them and sometimes on a walkway I don't have enough room for a box to be you know more than a foot or so Mm -hmm. so anyways um but that garden looking at that garden I saw so many different takeaways for plants that I wanted to try that was actually the first time I ever saw ladies mantle and ladies mantle has light um very mm-hmm. large leaves with yellow blooms but they were using it also as a border edge and I fell in love with that and they had so many different um gates, uh, different styles of gates at each one of these um, rooms that she had created. And the gate is always open to let you know, welcome, come in. Mm -hmm. And so I just loved looking at gates. And I don't have any in my yard right now, but I want some now that I've seen how pretty they can be and how welcoming. So I would have to say that was one of my favorite gardens. And when you do something like this, you're going to have an immediate feeling when you walk into a garden, whether it feels welcoming or there's something that bothers you that you can't quite put your finger on and you'll take pictures. And after you're kind of studying them and you get home, you'll be able to realize uh, what bothers you. And so on the opposite of gardens that I love, a garden that really bothered me and many people might love, but for me, it was confusing and not relaxing. It, it was beautiful. Don't get me wrong. Absolutely beautiful, but modestant. Um, and it was uh, one large open room that mm-hmm. I can't even quantify how big. It felt like a football field. But there was my mind could not process all of the color and no relaxation. Uh, in my head of a pause so it was uh, maybe overstimulating um, Mm -hmm. for me to look at this garden and so but there's a takeaway even when you see gardens that you don't like you're going to start looking back now at your garden style and saying hey is that how people feel when they come into this part of the garden (laughs) is that off-putting or (laughs) am I am I welcoming them yeah I can see Or is it a riot of color that really bothers people? And so I've been taking a hard look at my entrances specifically into our gardens to make sure that they're calming and welcoming. And and I am going to have to make some moves that I think uh, in the future. But so anyways, um, so I have my favorite garden and then I have my least favorite. And then some of the other ones just kind of fall in, in the middle. But there's a takeaway from every single garden that you go to. Oh, I, I'm, I'm tempted to ask you this. Um, well, let's just do it. Uh, how many pictures, how many, let's just do it. How many pictures do you think you took? Oh, gosh. My husband would know because, you know, he was there with me. But it was, uh, we took so many pictures. And, you know, of course, I was creating the videos. I think a lot of the videos are 40 minutes each for each of the gardens. Um, but if anybody's interested in seeing those gardens, I don't know if it was 10 or so that we went to. Um, but there's, if you can be patient, you know, so I was learning how at that time to do um, walking tours and I would get so excited that I would pan quickly turn. And so I did get some feedback from people after I had already put together, I don't know, two or three videos that the panning was too much. But in the event that you're in that situation, you're listening to this right now and you want to go check out those, those videos and you suffer from vertigo, there's a setting that you can put on YouTube to slow it down so that um, hopefully you can still enjoy it. But yeah, we took, we took a lot of pictures. Um, I watched the videos and they were good. They were oh, good. Um, very good. And so let's talk about the big one. Uh, and just recently watched it again. Uh, your time at David Austin Roses. I know this definitely was a bucket list for you. So what was it like? It was dreaming. It was like surreal um, because you see it. All of the other gardens that we went to visit, 
I, I didn't have, uh, I just don't think that they're promoted as much, or mm-hmm. I just didn't, um, I didn't have memories of seeing them in magazines and so forth. And so going to David Austin's garden was surreal because I was seeing all of these pictures that everybody shares on the internet. Now I'm seeing them in person mm-hmm. and being able to take in not just sight, but sound and scent and just a whole different feeling. And so then they've got the peacocks that are walking around. Mm -hmm. And when people are taking pictures, they don't often capture the sound of this unique bird. And I even had one person comment on one of my videos and they said, I hear a cat. Why does this cat (laughs) going in the video? And I was like, that's not a cat. It's a peacock. But they are loud and they are um, they are just very fun birds. They really dominate whatever space they're in, and they're beautiful. But anyways, um, so being a David Austin, you just want to look at all of these roses that are planted in mass because they're planting, you know, seven in one space so that you get this huge pop of color. And so that was really lovely to take in that. And then, of course, to see roses that we can't grow or we're not we don't have available to us in the U.S. Um, Some of the varieties that I fell in love with morning mist is a beautiful rose that has um, single petals but it's kind of a coral rust color. I can't wait until we can get that hopefully one day here. Carolyn Knight we don't have here. Um, So visiting that garden I mean I can totally geek out right now even just thinking about it because it was just so magical, I would say, being there. The only negative is that we weren't there alone. There were people, um, mm-hmm. you know, other people that were there. And so I would kind of have to wait for the right shot when, you know, there weren't too many people in the view. Um, but they have all of the um, the pergolas and arches that are covered. And very interesting is roses that they are using in as climbers there that they don't advertise as climbers here. And one of those would be mill on the floss. Um, so I saw mill on the floss and it's climbing and I thought, huh, well, that's interesting. I've heard so many people talk about how this rose grows really tall and here they've got it as a climber. So that was interesting. And, um, you know, there were some roses that were absent from the garden. Um, and so when you think about the roses that people are scouring for, everybody talks about Evelyn. I don't think Evelyn was in the garden. And Mm -hmm. so, uh, you know, I, I think what I wish is that um, they had some kind of um, a museum section, a living museum. I wish that they would keep all of the roses that they've grown. Granted, that could be huge, but I would love to see all of them, even that aren't in circulation, that I might not have in my garden. I I wish that they had had something like that there, Um, but um, it was really a lovely space and it's one of those things that I'll think about for a long time I think just because of the sheer beauty and the only other thing that I'll add about David Austin is that they had um the the main section of um exhibition they don't have any companion plants so it is just all 100 percent roses which is kind of how i garden here <laughs> but, um, they had just rooms and rooms with no companion plants and then they had I, I think there was only one room where they actually had companion plants maybe it was called that wasn't the lion's room. The name escapes me right now, but there was one room where they had companion plants with um, the roses. And that's where I found uh, Nadia. I think it's called K-N-A-U-T-I-A. And that's one of my new favorite companion plants because it's just, uh, it's just really whimsical. And I love the way that it looks with the roses. Um, But Anyways, I hope everyone has a chance to visit David Austin Roses in person. But if not, I hope that you'll enjoy the video that I put together. Oh, it was very, very good. You know, and you could tell this was peak. I thought, how fortunate. So many people go there and, it, you know, it isn't peak. I mean, it's just rarely happens. <laughs> so, I mean, you, it was just glorious. I could tell. <laughs> 
It, yeah, it was. I, I even enjoyed walking around the shopping center, looking at all the plants and pretending that I could bring something home with me, which I did not. Um, but seeing, you know, like Summer Song. I love Summer Song. Um, but I, what's interesting is, and I keep on reminding myself, you know, they don't sell in the U.S. for a reason because it was tested here and it didn't perform well for most mm-hmm. people. Um, but even if you look at it in the video, you can tell that, it is defoliated. Um, the blooms are there, but it's defoliated, which leads me to believe that maybe it's not super happy in that garden also. But hopefully as people are watching the videos that I do, if I'm able to share with them, if the tag is there, a lot of these gardens don't have labels and tags, which can be frustrating. But if I share which variety it is, hopefully you'll be able to get a, a really good look at the entire shrub by itself and how it's growing in that environment versus just an up-close picture of a, a bloom. Yes. Yes. So helpful. So helpful. Now, um, as a result of this trip, how soon was it that you placed your first order for something you saw there oh my gosh not just David Austin England in June I didn't even make it home so when I went let's see what garden was that the magic of the internet yeah I want to say it was it might have actually been after the one of the very first gardens even though I was absolutely (laughs) over um overwhelmed at Montespont I want to say that when we got to the best I went online to a vendor and bought Bausch and Blue I bought two of them because the climber was just so sweet and beautiful and perfect and so those are growing now but yes I did not even make it out of one garden before I had (laughs) ordered at home so thank God for the internet that did not surprise me one bit you know that excitement and I also have two Velsham blouse and one scouring on evergreen and one scouring the 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 dead half of a maple tree that uh, it just scampering right up there and it is one of the first things to bloom here and it is beautiful I'm glad you have it Oh, and we went to visit, um, if you look at the thumbnail that I did for the um, garden for Michael Marion, we got to visit his personal garden. And I bought, after being at his home and looking at this beautiful rambler, I bought uh, Rambling Rector. And I have been so nervous about this rose because it's like a house eater. You know, I mean, it is huge. But I thought, you know what? I'm going to think about this rose forever. And it'll always remind me of Michael Marriott's garden, but I want to try it. And so I do have it here and it seems very happy. So we'll see. We'll see if it ends up taking over my whole house. I know we have those. Yes, I have a couple of those. And, um, you know, they just remind us of beautiful things, which is what our garden does. You know, those just getting to see that, you know, those things change us. And and every time we see that, we we tap into that change. Now, trips, you know, they always change us, but especially a trip like this as a gardener. So you've touched on it a little bit, but how has this trip changed you as a gardener? Well, um, I really, I really need to think about how does my garden make me feel? How does it make others feel? And that never really occurred to me before. You know, I just, um, you know, I was just kind of putting my plantings together and I think it really took time for me to get to a place where I started thinking about all of the senses and, um, you know, how does it smell? And a lot of times people will, um, you know, get enter our property and say, oh, my gosh, it smells so amazing. Can't you smell that? And I really can't. Um, I, I don't know if it's one of those things where when you're constantly surrounded by something, you become kind of numb to it. Now, if mm-hmm. I, I really focus in, let me go um, smell this rose, then, of course, I can. But I started thinking more about entrances and um, shielding views so that you don't get to see what's beyond putting mock orange and hummingbird or or, um, uh, what do you call it? Honeysuckle at entrances, things that people will take away as scent and feeling. And then even something as simple as the sound of walking. I love pea gravel and I want to hear it kind of crunching under my feet as I walk. Mm -hmm. Um, So Mm -hmm. it really has started changing me so that I want to look at 
the more of that overall feeling and what do I want somebody to experience when they walk into each section of the garden? I mean, do you feel the same way with your gardening? Um, my 35 years ago, when I started, I wanted an English cottage garden. So, and I have a woodworking husband. So I planned, you know, these big arbors and, and gates and all that he could, he could do for me and they've aged well, you know, and it looks like a very old garden, which now it is getting to be an old garden. Well, not hundreds of years old, like you find in England, but you know, I've got to spend some, since my daughter lives in England, I got to spend some, lots of time there and learned that living with the people, it is a nation of gardeners. And one of the things that I picked up is they're just more relaxed about it. And that's made me, my time there has made me more relaxed about it. But it's also made me want to pack in the flowers. (laughs) And it's also made me want to try things I'd never tried before, like dahlias, because they talk about their dahlias. And they are so amazing. And I got to be there at different seasons and see like, whoa, this is sweet pea season. I see why they love them. Oh, you know, this is hollyhock season. Oh, my goodness, there's walls of them. Oh, it's dahlias. So it opened me up to what some of these plants could be that maybe I hadn't grown before. So that in those ways, you know, I picked up, you know, just things from them. And then my favorite tool, which is a hoary hoary knife, never really heard of it before, but it is a constant companion to to English gardeners, it seems. So just little things like that. But I think the biggest thing um, in aesthetics would be just relaxing about it, you know, not expecting as much perfection, just relax and enjoy the garden. Oh, I absolutely agree. And I've definitely become, as I'm, I'm gardening longer, um, I'm much more relaxed because a lot of it is, is learned. You know, if people reach out to me and they say, oh my gosh, I'm experiencing X, Y, Z in the garden. And it's just new to them. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas when you've been gardening for a while and you know the cycles of your garden and that you're going to have the same problems probably every year around the same time, whether if it's pest related or if it's um, a high pressure of humidity, you're going to have black spot after the first flush. And so I think that there does become a point where you just get a little bit more relaxed and um, you just kind of go with it and enjoy every single phase. And when I say that, we're getting ready to go into um, Japanese beetles in the next two weeks. And I know that with that, in the years past, I would have been so upset and frustrated and I would fight against it so that I'm just taking care of the beetles every day, go out three times a day with my soapy water, try to see the blooms through the beetles. And now I've reached a level of acceptance where (laughs) as soon as I see them, I'm going to take off every bud and bloom in my garden and hope that they will get bored and go find somebody out somewhere else. But if they want to be on my leaves because there's no buds or blooms, I'll still go out there with my soapy water, but I'm not going to get upset. And, and instead of spinning my wheels and getting frustrated about them eating the blooms, that's when I'm going to go focus on a project, whether it's let's defoliate the leaves, let's work on that pathway that I've been wanting to do. And so I, I do look forward to every phase that I know is coming, even though it might not be a fun time, you know, with blooms. Absolutely. You know, they, they aggravate us, but they don't win. You know, they do have to, they do die and they do go away for a while. And one of the things that, you know, I do the, I I do the dousing them in the soapy water as well. And it gets less, I do that less as the, as it heats up, we get some pretty hot temperatures and the the roses are going to go dormant somewhat anyway. So I do the same thing that you're talking about. I'm going to cut off the blooms, especially of those that they particularly like Mm -hmm. and just give the roses a break and, um, and take care of some other things. So yeah, they rob for a while, but uh, (laughs) last year I didn't have as many and that's nice. So um, maybe, maybe they've, they've fallen out of love with my garden. Well, that'd be nice. Yeah, and then speaking about England, you know, they don't have Japanese beetles there. So that was that was nice, you know, that that they don't have them. Yes. 
You know, they, there's just, um, you mentioned air conditioning. I, I went into very few places in England that had air conditioning. That's just not something they have or need. So it's just different. And they, one other thing I was going to bring up is the appreciation for the, for the big garden that I have. A lot of the gardens that I saw there, they were very small gardens or people were gardening in allotments, which they were very, very glad to get and waited years for. So we're very fortunate, those of us who have, you know, um, this Large extra trust. space to enjoy for sure. Now, this isn't garden related. This is just funny. If my husband was here with me, he would be whispering in my ear that, tell Teresa that, they don't put ice in their soda. <laughs> he's, a, he's a huge soda drinker. And so he found it very interesting. Every single time he said, could I have ice? They looked at him like he had three eyes. Yeah. And so they like things kind of at, at room temperature. Yeah. And and they soda was actually harder to find. My husband and I were not drinking um, on that tour. And um, so when we asked for soda, that was more of a luxury because we had wine at every dinner and um, it just seemed, they, they looked at us funny when we said that we wanted our second soda or our third soda. <laughs> they, they looked at us like we had a real problem. Yeah. <laughs> Culture's different. It really is, you know. And, you know, that's just one of the things, you know, they do have a more relaxed <laughs> take on those kinds of things. It's not going to be really, really cold or, you know, whatever. But, but yep, yep, that, you know, you just don't, you're not going to get your icy drink there. That's for sure. <laughs> Yes. yes, something you'll have to learn to live without for a little while. Well, we were talking about some of the pests. So while we have you, could you share some of your tips um, for growing roses? Well, what I've learned over the years now is that um, people do not get married to a rose. And what I mean is wow. that, yes, some of them are very special and they have a memory behind them. They were, you know, our great grandmothers. And so I understand keeping those in the garden. But one of the things that you need to be careful of is if whatever the trend is. So let's say this year it's Honey Dijon um, and everybody wants it and they can't find it. But don't just order it for your garden because you think it's highly desirable. Make sure that you're doing your due diligence does it grow in your zone uh what does the reviews on help me find say about this rose and don't be afraid to get rid of a rose if it doesn't work because as you mentioned there's so many varieties that are coming out every year that are healthy and healthier more mm -hmm. disease resistant and so what i do is i give a rose three years i keep a tracking spreadsheet as soon as it hits its third year if it's been nothing but a problem and it doesn't bring me joy, then it's time to go. And I, you know, have lots of other roses that I can choose from um, in the garden that I could get multiples of to give me a punch of color, put three in one area. Um, but so that's one of the things I think that um, has been the most important to me is making sure that I look for really good varieties. And I know that when you and I have met in the past, I really like Cortez Roses or Mayan. Mm -hmm. And so those are my, my favorites. And why are they my favorites? It's because they've been grown in an environment where they are not given pesticides as they're being tested. So they're tested in environments where they're just kind of let go so that they can be for the organic gardener. You'll mm -hmm. find that most of them have very dark glossy leaves, which is for me a huge bonus to be able to prevent black spot. Um, so those are the varieties I think that I'm looking for most. And so every three years or, you know, every year when I'm looking at my three year plus roses and I'm deciding to remove one, it's being replaced with something that's proven to be hardy and disease resistance. And I just want to put a plug out there really quick for the American Rose Society. They have a listing that they put out every year that uh, members vote on for hardiness. And you can search on that on their page and find what they're recommending for uh, specific zones. And then you could also get in touch with your local um, Rose Society to see what's working for them. Absolutely. Do you have a rose um, this year that's just uh, outperforming itself? Oh, well, it's always bliss. It's always bliss Parfuma, and I can't take enough pictures of her. She speaks to my soul. Every single time I see her, she just is 
divine. And so I have one at my mailbox and I just showed everybody recently on Facebook, her picture. And I think she's just going to be a superstar in the next coming years. And then I have an entire bed of bliss because she's just so healthy and, you know, resistant to anything. So I can just kind of plant her and leave her and just enjoy going and looking at her um, instead of having to pick off leaves because she's got black spot. That just doesn't happen. Uh, but besides bliss, because I think I'll be talking about her for the rest of my life. <laughs> um, let's see other roses that people can find. Um, I'm testing right now on our, our star garden at the waterfront top cream and that's showing great promise uh bolero is always awesome and highly fragrant delish is a beautiful hot pink color that's constantly in bloom for us princess charlene de monaco is just a standout rose uh who else um i've got bliss down there oh raspberry cupcake is a fun one um that is a bright um, hot pink. And then it kind of, what it's doing for me right now, I don't know if it'll change as it gets older, but it really reminds me of another favorite of mine with Benjamin Britten, that it's got this hot pink color, but then the outer leaves kind of whitewash down as it yeah. gets uh, ages, the bloom ages. And so that one is really uh, beautiful and fun to look at. So, you know, I've got a lot of roses um, that, that bring me joy and are very healthy. How about you? Well, um, because of you, I have bliss and okay. uh, I ordered another one. I had one last year. Now, the one last year um, struggled a little bit. And so the one this year has just taken right off. So she's just first year. So we'll see. But I'm already seeing some uh, some buds and uh, I'm very hopeful. So with, you know, so I'm excited about her. Yeah. One that I am over the moon about is um, a new one. I um, had a test rose, just a small old test rose last year of reminiscent pink mm. and uh, proven winners. And right now she was not bothered by deer. She was not bothered by winter. I really didn't have to even cut her back when I had to cut so many back to the ground. She has right now at least a hundred bud or blooms. She's absolutely fantastic. She's fragrant. There's not any disease and she's just a great growth habit. And it's a, a David Austin look and bloom. It's absolutely fantastic. And then another well, new hope, one that, pardon. I was going to say, I hope that you, I know you've got your YouTube with your videos. I really hope to see uh, pictures of her. Uh, I think, I think I'm going to just, if I haven't put her up, I've, I've got her about ready to go. Okay. So, um, the other one that has um, I've heard about for years, Plum Perfect, and I bought three their first year, but they're absolutely outstanding first year right out of the gate. They're covered in blooms right now. Beautiful. So highly, highly recommend that one. And you mentioned Top Cream and when Matt. Uh, Douglas was here on Rose Chat a week or so ago. He said that was one of one of the standouts that he's seeing as well. So I'm going to have to get that one. I don't have it. Let's see who else is just being Vanessa Bell. I'm she has <laughs> just got my heart. She's the right yellow for me. Yeah. You know, I've got sort of a pale garden. I don't do a lot of reds or yeah. So anyway, my garden's kind of pale, and she just fits right in. <laughs> That's wonderful. Now, do you have the reminiscent coral or white? No, I don't. Okay. Um, I have, is it reminiscent crema? I have that one. It's covered in blooms. Okay. Um, so that's what, the white one. But I, the coral, I think, maybe was just released, or maybe it's new for this year or next year. I don't have it. Okay. But it looks beautiful. But um, just fantastic. Absolutely fantastic success mm -hmm. with it this year. So for just one year, that's fabulous. Yeah, my daughter just started growing roses. And so what I did this year was I sent her things that I thought that she could be successful with. Um, and I got her set up with a drip. And her favorite right now is Plum Perfect. I sent her um, Bliss, of course, and <laughs> Distant Drums and Plum Perfect. And so she's seen them all bloom. She thought that Distant Drums was going to be her favorite. But now that she has seen Plum Perfect, she says that that's her new fave. 
Well, good for her. I mean, it really is outstanding. And I have one more that I have to mention because I have three or four of them and I've had them for years. One I put out in the various back where it's getting absolutely no care. I kind of forgot about it. It's absolutely gorgeous right now. And that's <clears throat> quietness. It's a Dr. Buck rose. Mm-hmm. And it has just been a performer for all of these years. And uh, I just, it looks like a hybrid tea bloom. It's very fragrant, so healthy. So I know it's been around a long time, but it is one that I think, especially a new gardener, um, just take a chance on quietness. It is a beauty. I'm going to have to look at my list and see if I have that one. Yeah, I'm not sure you'd love it. You'd love it. It's It's really good. Okay, I think we've just about covered everything that we were going to talk about and, and a whole lot more. <laughs> yeah, I, you, when you and I get together, we can always talk about so many things. I mean, I, I need more time than an hour, but I don't want to bore people. So I will look forward to when you and I can get together again. And, you know, I guess my hope from this, the only thing that I would say in closing is if you're nervous about um, showing your gardens, um Try to break through that um, and and go to see other people's gardens first. You're going to learn so much. So get in touch with the American Rose Society, your local societies, and find people in your area to connect with because you're going to learn so much from either varieties that you like or give you ideas for design. So go check out other people's gardens, even if you can't go on a, you know, England trip. Many of us can't. Um, so go visit other people and then consider opening your garden so that you can meet new folks that um, want to come learn from you. Oh, I couldn't have said it better. You know, and if you're an introvert, you're in good company. Most gardeners I know, including myself, are very introverted. We do what we do because we love roses and we want we want you to love them. We want you to know about them. But you're going to find many people. Um, if you're an introvert and it's yeah. stopping you or holding you back, you're going to find many people just like you. Yeah. And I think when you're saying that, I, I really feel like I remember seeing somebody on a t-shirt one time where they said introvert, but we'll talk about roses. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Absolutely. Well, Kimberly, thanks so much for coming to chat today. I loved hearing about your trip and I'm just so proud of you for doing your open garden. I wish I could come and maybe I'll come to the next one. Oh, I would love that. And maybe I'll come visit yours too. Oh, it'd be so nice. And friends, thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to know more about the garden tours that Paul takes, you can find information at paulzimmermanroses.com. I notice he's already booking for 2024. So if you want all-inclusive, I think he's got your number. And until next time, just relax and have fun in your garden. You've been listening to the Rose Chat Podcast with Chris Van Cleve and Teresa Byington, expert rose gardeners who want to help you achieve the rose garden of your dreams. Don't miss an episode. Listen anytime on our website at rosechatpodcast.com or listen on the go via the Rose Chat app on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Share this podcast with your social networks and join us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using the hashtag rosechat. Join us next time for another edition of the Rose Chat Podcast. The Rose Chat Podcast is a production of the Rose Chat Media Group, Birmingham, Alabama.